So welcome. We're glad you're with us. This is our all beach service. And uh, we're going to do that uh, several times over the next few months. So as we say, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. So if you don't own anything that has any kind of a synthetic or wool, uh, if it starts raining and you're wearing cotton, that's on you. It's not on us. Or go to Home Depot and literally buy one of those gigantic, huge umbrellas that they sell there. Uh, but uh, be prepared. I mean, it's, this is not that bad, right? Come on, seriously. So here we are, and I'm really happy to be with you. Uh, we can do this together, and we're going to be back to Malaga Cove for our second service next week, and we're going to be doing this uh, for a while where we have two services up at Malaga Cove uh, as they only allow us twice a month to meet there um, because of the book sale. And I, I said, well, I'll buy all your books. I'll just buy all your books, and then you won't have to have a book sale. And it, that didn't work. So I'm, now I'm back to the drawing board thinking, of, okay, what else can I do? So we love it up there, but we love it here too. And this is our anchor service, so thank you. We're in a series out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter, if you weren't here with us last week, don't raise your hand. But um, uh, let me just remind you what we did. We started a new series, a four-week series. And the series is on uh, Hebrews chapter 12, running the race. We need to learn how to run with endurance the race that Christ has set before us. We're memorizing Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 together. Does anybody, is anybody going to memorize Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3 with me? Thank you. Seriously, now you can raise your hand. Oh, and you didn't make it here last? No, I'm kidding. Thank you. We are going to memorize Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3 together. And in four weeks, we're going to say it together, okay? That's our goal, to run the race that was set before us with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So how do you fix your eyes on Jesus? Four things. You need Jesus as your anchor. Jesus is your compass. You need a purpose and a plan. And today we're going to talk about Jesus as our compass. He leads the way. There's a path in front of you. Many years ago, actually back in 1940, the late 1940s, began what was called the post-war generation movement. And the post-war generation movement was a generation of beatniks. It was the beat generation. The generation on the road. Jack Korak wrote a story of his life traveling the road. It's called On the Road. It's a great read. It's a classic. And it's the story of the American generation on a journey but going nowhere. And that was the problem. The American generation at that time in the 40s, and he wrote it in 1957 and into the 60s, was a whole generation of people deciding we need to get in the car and go on a road trip. Where are we going doesn't matter. It's not about the destination. It's the journey. Great idea. I love it. It became the rucksack generation. And Jack Korak, along with his friends, took this journey back and forth across the two coasts Living the self-pleasure, self-obsessive, selfish life. As Mark Sayers says on a critique of that book called uh, uh, The Road Back to, it's called On the Road, or, or it's, he wrote a, Mark Sayers wrote the book called The Road Trip That Changed the World on the basis of On the Road. He says it changed American culture, but it also changed the, the American church. All of a sudden, what happened was this, this rampant 
decisive individualism that personalized faith to such a degree that people no longer needed the church, they no longer needed biblical community, they were on the road in their own faith, heading their own direction, wherever they felt it led. And that became dangerous. And the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3, indicates that there is a journey, but there's a path. And you got to follow Jesus because he's the compass. You're not going to make it unless you follow the compass, which is Jesus, who's on a path. So I want to look at this passage of Scripture with you, and I want to give you three. It's all about faith, by the way. What, what the writer's going to say is that when you set Jesus as your compass, you're living by faith, and there's three ways to tell. And I'm going to look at those three ways. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Just consider Jesus. The apostle, high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who pointed him as Moses was to his house. For he was counted worthy of a more glory than Moses by so much that he was the builder of the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all the things is God. And Moses was a faithful servant of the house, but Jesus came along and he is the son over the house. If we hold fast to our confidence and we boast of our hope in him until the end. Jesus points the direction. He's the builder. He knows what he's doing. He's pointing the direction. Verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, and don't harden your hearts as they, as they did in the wilderness and provoked him, where your forefathers tried me by testing me, I saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation. 40 years of testing. And they always go astray in their heart. They did not know my ways. Israel taught us a very important lesson. There is a path in the wilderness. God knows where he's going, but you got to follow his lead. That's what faith is. Faith is following Jesus' lead. That's what faith is. Biblical faith is following Jesus' lead through, your, through the wilderness of life. And Israel teaches us that one significant lesson. Trust me, I know where I'm going. You don't. And if you're willing to follow my lead, I'm going to get you somewhere. I'm going to get you to the promised land. Then in verse 12... He looks at the three ways we can tell that we have true faith. That's going to get us to where we want to go. Take care, brethren, that there be not any one of you an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Falls away. First clue about faith. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today, so that no one will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It then goes on to today. It says, today, if you hear his voice and don't harden your hearts as when they provoked me, when they provoked me, they did not come out of Egypt by the leading of Moses. But I want you to be aware, it says in the end of chapter 3, that they could have entered the rest of God. God provides the rest. The journey leads to the rest. 
And so we learn three things about faith, and I want to look at those three things. But every single one of us is on a journey in life. And the challenge is, what kind of a journey is that? Is it a journey led by Jesus, by faith, or are you on your own? And God will use the circumstances of your life to drive into you one message. Will you trust me? Every experience, every trial, every hardship, every difficulty, every learning in life is an opportunity, is a testing, a good testing of God to see if we're willing to trust and follow his lead. Follow his lead. That's what faith is, following his lead. I asked Cannon Coots. 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 I like that. Cannon, I just renamed you Coots. You are, you are such a cool dude. And I am so excited you're going to come share your story. Thank you, Leslie, for sharing a little bit about the ministry you're involved in. And Cannon, I want, thank you, grab that and put that right there. And then, um, Cannon, I, I want you to share your story. The first time I met you, uh, you were in a coma. And I was invited to the hospital to pray for you. And here you are. And would you share a little bit of your journey and some of the things that have happened to you and how that's impacted your journey and your life of trusting Christ by faith? So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Todd told me I have to yell into this thing for everybody to hear. Am I okay? Sweet. And just FYI, James, this shirt's an ODU. I know you like the stripes and color. Um, so yeah, I've got some notes, and I'll, I'll try to stick to the script, so to speak. Um, yeah, the, the first time Todd and we met, you know, we'd be coming to the church, River Church for a little bit, uh, but unfortunately, I don't remember the meeting because you know uh, I wasn't incoherent or out of it. Um, so quick, quick summary of that story. Out here, I love to surf, as James mentioned. Probably one of the best surf days, you know, top 10 by far, that I'd had out here at Torrance. Um, was just having the time of my life. I remember seeing this giant rainbow. First time I'd, li and literally, first time I'd ever seen a rainbow with, uh, got it? Thank you. Um, with both feet on the, on the water. And I literally blinked my eyes, and I woke up in a hospital room. And, and my first thought was, you know, it was like, okay, something bad happened or something went wrong. And, and secondly, I looked around the room and my wife's parents were there who live in Alabama. My son, who we just sent back to college in Iowa, was there. My mom, my brother. Um, and I looked over at Leslie's mom and it was like, what are you guys doing here? You know, like it just, and, and to this day, her mom tells a story that, when I asked that, it was, what are you doing here? Um, not true, because I love, I love them. But, so it, I'll come back to the story, but that, that was the gist of it. I was, I was here, I was in the hospital, um, but really, you know, I'll take it back to Todd. You, you had asked me, is, was there a one point in this journey that solidified your belief in Christ? Um, 
And, and quite frankly, the answer was no. I mean, or, you know, initially it was like, I, I can't because I've grown up with a strong faith. I've always had that. You know, last week talk, talked about having an anchor. And I've been blessed enough to um, have a great earthly anchor in my wife, you know, who is my partner of 28 years or so now, if you count pre-marriage. Um, but I've always had the main anchor of God. And I've always known that. And I've always believed in it. And there's, there's three points I want to hit here that kind of solidify this and get me to that point to where after Todd posed that question and the initial response was, no, really, I've just always had a strong faith. I started thinking about the circumstances and, and it kind of dawned on me for the first time. And it's like, you know, I actually do have that moment. And it, it, it's kind of a, you know, interesting way that I found it. But again, three key things in my life that, that formed that path and then where initially I realized that, okay, there, there was this pivotal moment. First, um, at 39, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Um, and after the initial shock of just hearing the, the word cancer, um, I came to grips with it and I just had this sense that I was gonna get through it. And I knew it, I knew it in my heart. And Leslie asked me, you know, this week when we were talking about it, I was like, well, is that because you just had faith in your, you know, yourself and your strength? And I said, no, it was never, you know, I never thought of it that way. It was just, I just knew. You know, I knew God was going to carry me through, and, th and that was it. But the one thing that came out of it that I really learned from the experience was people that are going through pain and trauma or challenge, it's never as hard. For me, it wasn't that hard. You know, I just knew. I knew I was going to go through some tough stuff, some stuff that I didn't want to do that was going to, you know, put me through the paces. But the people around me, my friends and family, the people who love me, I mean, it's, if you're a parent, you know this. When your child gets hurt, there's nothing you can do about it, and there's nothing more painful. And that's what happens when you're sick or when you're going through trauma is the people around you suffer more than you do. So that was the first kind of point epiphany in my life that's like, it's about the others. Um, and then coming back to my accident, you know, it was, again, for me, I, I kind of joke about it, but it was true. It was just, it was a great day for me. Because all I remember is having this great, you know, moment out in the water. And then when I woke up, I knew something was wrong, but I was surrounded by all my friends and family that loved me and people that I didn't even know. And the, and the one like learning that came out of that for me was really the power of prayer because, you know, our community, and we were relatively new to the River Church still, but within 12 hours or even less, you know, hours of people understanding that I was in the hospital, the word went out. Everybody in the River Church was praying for us. Um, Todd came and, and prayed over me. You know, it's the one time in my life that I've, I've seen the value of Facebook because that went out to everybody. And there were, I mean, there were thousands of people praying for me. And, and, and I know that had a huge impact. And the power of prayer is true. I also know it was God that performed a miracle because that first night I was in the hospital, the doctors came in and told Sorry. 
told my family and friends to say goodbye because I wasn't going to make it through the night. Um, you know, so that, that's what hurts me, just know that they went through that pain. The crazy thing is, the next day, I started moving. By Thursday, or the, the second day into it, or third day into it, I was up and around on a walker. The next day, I went home. You know, and again, there's no, nothing else besides outside of God that, that made that miracle happen. But still, up until this week when we had that conversation, you know, somebody would ask me, well, I was like, well, was that what solidified your faith? And I was like, no, I always believed. But it kind of come full circle. And it's been almost three years now since the accident. My youngest son just went away to college. And I don't know how the conversation got started or not, but it came back to that day in the hospital. And Aiden, my youngest, brought up, he's like, you know, those, those doctors were just idiots. You know, I know in the room, it's like, and what he heard was you guys just need to pull the plug because there's no way in hell that he's going to get through this. And that, that just, you know, the anger when I heard that was pretty crazy. But as soon as I got over it, that was kind of when, you know, in talking to Todd, it's like, you know, these doctors are trained to recognize what's going on, to make those suggestions or judgments to people. And here was an expert that had seen the trauma, had seen people go through this all in time, and they were trying to say by saying, hey, it, you're better off, you know, taking them off the, the, the breathing machine because, you know, it's just, just the quality of life isn't going to be there. Um, and just revisiting that was really like, okay, here's experts. And the same thing when we went, you know, when I got the, the next week after, we went and visited the, the fire crew that basically, once I got out of the water, reset, or tried to resuscitate me, but, you know, took me there, got me to the hospital. We went and showed up at the, the fire station, and when we knocked on the door, the, you know, one of the firefighters came out. He's like, hey, can I help you? And literally, he was just like, oh, my God, stay here. And he ran and got everybody else, and to a T, they were like, you're alive. We had no idea because we thought, you know, we wrote you off. Um, so revisiting that, it's like, okay, yeah, this, I mean, I've always known God is there. I've always known how powerful he is. But to your point, it's like that, seeing that in the face of every, but all the experts and all the people that know everything and that can make these diagnoses and, you know, will just say, don't. I'm here and I'm, I'm in great health and I'm with my family and I've got this new, you know, big, huge community and family here. And so, yeah, I, it, it, you know, sometimes you have to have a trigger or hear something that really makes it like, you know, that really was it. So, um, you know, thanks for letting me sharing. If it, you know, it, it, it's great and I'm happy to be here. You know, as we talked, uh, Canon, you did say, and you did mention that you've had this faith all along, but these events in your life propelled you into a deeper faith. And, and we talked about that. And um, it, very much like what's going on in this passage. The, that the writer uses the Hebrews as the example of people who were on a path. They were headed from Egypt to the promised land 
through the wilderness, Mount Sinai, 200 miles. At five miles a day, it would have taken them 40 days to get from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, to Kadesh Barnea, to cross into Canaan, the land that God had promised them. Think about it. 200-mile journey. That's what God had. They didn't know that. That's what the passage says. Will you trust Jesus with your life as I gave them Moses, whom you should have trusted, to go 200 miles in 40 days at five miles a day? That's all you needed to do. But when they arrived at Kadesh Barnea, in Numbers 13 and 14, they spied out the land. They saw what was in the land, and they said, there's no way. They turned around. And for 40 years, they wandered the desert. And God had to teach them one lesson. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you follow my lead? Three ways to know that you are following God's lead by faith. Here they are. I'm just going to give them to you. Number one, your faith endures. Number two, your faith listens. And number three, your faith propels you forward. You know what true biblical faith is? It's faith that endures to the end. It's faith that listens. It's faith that propels you and moves you forward. That's faith. That's following the lead of Jesus. Let me just look at, look at that verse, a few verses with you just to give you uh, 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 a clue into where I found those. The first one is this idea of taking care. And, and the word is literally, be aware, be aware, be aware. Open your eyes and see something. That there be in anyone, be careful that there will not be an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living truth. So you see that falls away. That's the first clue right there. Real faith endures. It doesn't fall away. It's, it's, a, it's an enduring faith that stays the course and does. And the word, the word fall away is it's gone. It, it, you've, you've exited the journey. You've gone off the path, so to speak. You're holding fast, it says, to the confession that you had in the beginning. Remember back when you gave your life to Christ. You remember that? You remember, remember that moment? Remember that, that story? Remember that confidence of faith in Christ that you established when you, your eyes were open, you recognize, I'm going for God. I'm going 100%. What the writer is saying, keep holding on to that. Hang on to it today. Notice what he, where he goes. Notice what he says. Encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today. Why does he say that? We're to encourage one another today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, today. Right now, this moment in time is a test of your faith of whether it will endure. It's not the moment when you came to Christ. It's not 10 years ago. It's not 15 years ago, and maybe you've just been coasting ever since. It's relying today on new faith that God is giving you today. It's today's faith that endures for tomorrow. That's what the writer is saying. Enduring faith as long as it's called today. Your, your faith, the faith of your past will not sustain you 
into the future. A faith that endures is a faith that is renewed every day. Question, how's your faith being renewed today? Your faith needs to be renewed every day. That's how you protect yourself from this idea of an unbelieving heart that falls away. How do people fall away? By relying upon the past and not trusting God in the present with your life. So let me ask you again, what does he do? What, what right now in this moment is God renewing in you? And reminding you of the confession of your faith from the past that's being renewed today that you're believing and you're standing on. I mean, back to the illustration of the wilderness in Israel, traveling. That was the whole point of this chapter was this path, this journey through the wilderness. What did God do? He provided enough for how many days? Not a trick question. In Exodus 16.4, how many days of provisions did God give the Israelites? One. One day. Every day, manna. Exodus 16.4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from the heaven. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for the day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instruction. It was a test. Manna for the day. Has God provided you manna this morning, today? God will provide you something today to get through today so that you believe by faith that Jesus is leading your life. That's the kind of faith that endures. Does that make sense? The second thing that I learned is it says that we are to encourage one another day by day, as long as it's called today. Today, if you hear his voice, real faith listens. It listens. It listens to the voice of God. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as when they provoked me. Do you hear from God? Are you hearing from God? Real faith hears from God. It listens. And in chapter 7 or 3, verse 7 and 8 and verse 14, it's clear today. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Again, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. He references it twice in the same passage. Listen. Real faith listens. You, it's not a matter of having no faith or little faith. It's a matter of deliberate unfaith by deliberately choosing not to listen to God in your life. I know that's hard. I know that's a difficult statement. I know that's like in your face. Like seriously? Real faith listens to God. In other words, real faith obeys. It is not easy. I'm telling you, this generation is raging against a faith that has to stand opposed to a culture that doesn't hold its values. They're raging against it, and they're actually blaming God as opposed to 
pressing deeper into listening to God in terms of where God wants to lead them. Younger generation. It's not God's fault that we live in a culture that doesn't agree with our values. And we want to rage against God because it doesn't match and because our deep desire is to become independent and go our own way. That's a great challenge. I remember very clearly a day when I was in commercial real estate and I was dating my wife, Denise, and, and, uh, and, and I had the secretary who was in the secretarial pool that would prepare my letters and documents and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I was going to seminary at night and real estate during the day. And when I couldn't get my papers written, I'd bring them in and she'd type my papers up when she had time. So I had a secretary in the office who was reading these theological seminary papers. And um, then one day she asked me about my faith. And, and then she asked me a question about my relationship with Denise. And, and she goes, why don't you guys sleep together? Why aren't you living together? And then she said these words, you would try on a pair of shoes before you bought them, wouldn't you? I had never heard that question before. And I'm standing there in the middle of this commercial real estate office, right in front of the secretarial pool, talking to my secretary, and she's asking me, why am I not having sex with my girlfriend? I mean, wow. And you know what I said? I had no response. I said, well, I'm not buying a pair of shoes. And the more I've thought about that over the last 35 years, it's really true. It's not a pair of shoes. You don't use people. It's not a, I'm going to use somebody else for my personal pleasure. God has a higher value and standard, a sacredness on relationships that only his word brings us. And when we hear the word of God and we listen and we do it his way, there is great reward. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone that wants to please God, he must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. And faith believes that God exists, that his values, his idea of life is the only way. And that he's a rewarder for those that follow. Every command has a reward. Every command has a reward. God wants to reward faithfulness. But we got to listen. And it's this outright, degenerate, I don't care what God has to say, I'm going my own way, is not biblical faith. It's not. Biblical faith is renewed every day. It endures because it's renewed every day. But second, it listens to God. It's learning to listen. It's taking small steps. You say, well, that's a big step. Yeah, it is a big step. Well, take small steps. Begin listening to God and what he has called you to do, the path that he has put on you, one step at a time, one small step at a time. Don't beat yourself up. You're on the path. You're on a journey. There's a lot of grace. But take a step. That's biblical faith. 
But third and finally, at the end of this passage, he talks about getting to the rest, entering his rest. And those in the wilderness spent 40 years wandering. God allowed an entire generation to die off before he sent them into the new land, his rest. Because they would not follow his lead. And one generation impacts another generation. And God wanted that generation out of the way so God could speak to the next generation and say, will you trust me? Will you follow my lead? Into the wilderness we go. It's a movement. Faith propels us forwards, not backwards. What did the first generation want to do? They wanted to go back to Egypt. Yeah, it's slavery. It's hard work, but we get fed. We know what we're getting, even though it's bad, versus we don't know what we're getting, and we don't know what it's going to be like. Real faith moves you forward. It's taking the next step. And what God wanted to teach the people of Israel was take the next step. And that's what happened finally after 40 years through the life of Joshua. Moses dies, hands over the leadership to Joshua, and Joshua leads the people. And it says that he did not part the Jordan River to go into the new land until they first put their first foot into the river. So they put their first foot into the river. The priests went first, put their feet in the river, and all of a sudden, what happened? The path became clear in front of them. You do not see the path. It will not be clear to you until you put your next foot forward and trust God. Question, in what areas of your life are you trusting him for more, not less? Well, I'm shrinking back. I'm scared. I'm fearful. I'm getting older. I can't rely on my health anymore. I'm in a difficult situation. I'm transitioning. I don't know where I am. Yeah, you don't, but God does. Will you trust him? That's faith. It's going to endure because it's going to be renewed. You're going to listen to him, and you're going to take the next step, and by faith, believe God's called me to take him. What's the next step for you? Right now, in this minute, what is that next step? What is God calling you to do? What's the next step? He may be even prompting you right now in this moment to take a step. I don't know what that step is. See, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and as long as I live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in Christ. See, it's not that you, you're no longer living. Dallas Willard wrote the, the literally the best critique of discipleship. Learning to live as if Jesus were living in your shoes. That's how he defines discipleship. Following the words and ways of Jesus is learning to live as though Jesus were in your shoes living your life. But you're not living Jesus' life. He's already lived his life. You're living your life. It's your life, not his life. You have a life. God's called you forward, and it's your life that he's calling forward. It's your life. And he wants you to live as though Jesus lived your life. But you need to do it. It's the life that Jesus gave you. Of him in you, you now take a step forward and believe by faith. And you step out. So the question is, what is that step? Am I trusting God with more or with less? I want to trust God with more. I mean, I would think this is an interesting 
story. And um, Paul Zonalas, are you going to come up and set up communion? Why don't you do that? And worship team, come on up. We're going to close with worship, and I'm going to pray here in a second. But let me just give you a personal illustration, and then I'm done. It would be very easy for me in this season of my life to coast. 60 years old, still have a lot to say. God's given me health. I could carry on. I could keep going on. But there's a younger generation, and we need a new generation of leadership. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm also smart enough to know that there is a transition in leadership. And in the process of that transition of leadership, which you do ahead of time, you don't do it the minute you're like, okay, I'm done. Where's my... Who's going to take over? That doesn't work. I don't know why so many people don't get that, but it's very simple. There's a transition, and we're in this amazing, beautiful transition with our, our team. And we have a beautiful staff, and we're working together. We're not going anywhere. I'm, I'm, ha I'm sticking around. I'm here. But I'm also very much aware that there's a new generation of leadership coming up, and I want to build into them and grow them and develop them and give them leadership over our church over a period of time. But it would be very, very easy for me to simply coast. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm tapping out. I've done, I've done it. I've been at this thing 30 years. I've been teaching. I taught Biola for 25 years, classes at Biola. Uh, I've been four or five different churches. I've said everything I need to say. I'm going to just check out. I'm done. I mean, really, seriously, do I need to do anything more? And yet, by faith, I believe God still has more for us. And he may even have the greatest adventure ahead for Denise and I in these years of our lives. It may be the greatest of trusting him for more. Location growth of the church, more grounder groups, evangelism, mission, and outreach. All sorts of things are going to happen through you as the River Church. And we're here. And I, I need to make sure that my faith is moving me forward. Does that make sense? And so do you. Let's pray. So, Father, what an amazing morning you have given us. And we trust right now you as our compass to get us through the wilderness because you know where we're going. We don't. And so we're going to renew that faith daily. We're going to listen to you, and we're going to take a step. That's true faith, and we're going to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. stand together we'll sing one song of worship and then whenever you're ready you can come get the elements and then we'll finish with another song
this morning that our hearts would want nothing more than you Jesus the one that fills us the one that loves us the one that sees us so intimately we want that to be our choice this morning let our hearts want for nothing more but you Jesus whenever you're ready you can make your way up to the communion table to my left your right and then you can go back to your seat, sit or stand, whatever you feel comfortable with, and we're going to end on one last worship song. So whenever you're ready to come.
Together, death could not hold you. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grace. The heavens, the heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are ready to lie.
What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Hey, here's the deal reason why we went to the cross and we took communion and we took the bread and we took the juice and we ate it and drank it because it represents the body of Christ. He went to the cross, my sins, our sins on his behalf. If you're here this morning and you feel like, oh my goodness, I, there's no way I can do what we're talking about today. Just remember the cross. Just go to the cross. There is grace. There is forgiveness. There is a new life today for you. There's new life for you. We walk away victorious, don't we? Do we walk away victorious this morning? Every single one of us. It's not the past that's holding us back. It's not poor decisions. It's not the, the things that we've done. It's that we've gone to the cross. And that changes everything for us. We walk away new, fresh, alive, in Christ, forgiven. No matter what. Walking the journey by faith starting today. Can we all do that? Let's do it together. All right? Love you guys. Have a great day.